Hello and welcome back to Rent Money Week 4. Joined as always by Adam Capsch. Adam, is it safe to say that you're on the hot seat? Beyond safe to say. Anything you'd like to do about it? Al Davis method, baby. Well, as Adam's seat continues to warm up, we're going to be giving you plenty of picks this weekend, reviewing a little bit of what was kind of a dog shit slate last weekend, but then we're kind of right. Right now we're in the prize puppies. This is going to be one of the best weekends of college football coming up here. A couple top top 10 matchups, lots of top 25 matchups, some fun rivalries nonetheless. But before we do all of that, we're going to want to talk to you about a couple presenting sponsors today. And the first one is one that you all know very well, longtime friend of the program. That's Vienna Beef. That's right, Vienna Beef, a Chicago staple for the last 125 years. Not just a hot dog, but heritage. Uh, I'd like to give a special shout out to all the alumni of Hot Dog U uh, who put the hard time and work in to create that perfect dog with that absolutely wonderful snap. Uh, nothing else like them within the hot dog game. Uh, if you enjoy them like I do, uh, I like them all dolled up. You know, the Chicago hot dog packs online, you can get the famous relish, celery salt, and of course, their yellow mustard. Uh, and, and you know, I, I can't say enough about Vienna Beef and how kind they've been to us uh, as a sponsor, but also just for me personally as a fan, uh, a longtime fan of their beef. So go check out Vienna Beef. And if you don't live in a, a city like Chicago where uh, you have easy access to Vienna Beef, they do ship all across the United States. The other presenting sponsor today is Morton's Kosher Salt. Uh, you might know them from uh, your, your aunt's pantry, uh, but that is not to say that your aunt didn't make delightful roast beef growing up, probably layered with a bunch of Morton's Kosher Salt. Uh, so when you're walking down uh, you know, the spice aisle and you need a little salt to spice up your life or maybe just uh, season up pretty much whatever you need, you, you, know, you can always put a little bit more salt on it. Uh, so Morton's Kosher Salt. Check them out. And with that, let's get to it. Got the money coming in, it ain't no issues. I just fucked the rapper, bitch. I should have did show. Got the Mac 11 cocky, got the kick. The seat is hot in Ames, Adam. Uh, and I don't know if you had a chance to see this, but Matt Campbell had some interesting comments uh, when asked about, you know, his altercation uh, with, uh, with a, you know, an Iowa State fan that traveled all the way up to the you know, great state of Ohio to watch them play against the Bobcats uh, in a stunning defeat. Uh, and one that, you know, I was on the wrong side of. I felt like a real sucker after that game. Uh, Adam, what did you think about Matt Campbell's and maybe even Brian Farron's most recent press conferences? We've been getting a lot of uh, interesting sound bites out of these coaches. I tell you what, Jack, I I'm old enough to remember a time when uh, Matt Campbell was supposedly on his way out to the NFL. Right? You, you looking back on it as well, just. Take the fucking money and run, dude. I don't think he will ever. I don't know if Iowa State as a program will ever be able to have a better football team than they did when Brock Purdy was quarterback, Brees Hall, 
was uh, their Raven halfback. Montgomery. I, I think this was the – I mean, Monty was great. Alan Lazard was great for them. Um, Will McDonald was the only true NFL prospect, I feel like, that they, they had left. And he's obviously gone now as well. They, they have nothing. Uh, the program is worth nothing. However, all of that being said, I know this is a, a look-ahead uh, look season, uh, but Iowa State basketball <laughs> – uh, something worth it. something worth doing some research on. Put the gun down. Uh, the Hoiberg era of, you know, pulling pulling. The, yeah, put the gun down. Put the bleach back under the sink. Um, Turn off the car. Open up the garage door. Sharp objects. Yeah, you know what? So what if you got fired? It's not uh, your fault. I will it say is. I do. But Omaha Blue. Yeah, he's coming. He's, he's coming. coming. I will say I am a big fan of these AI coaches interviews that are coming out. I said that a little bit tongue in cheek. I'm not sure if you had a chance to see some of these. I don't know if this is something that's only taking place in the state of Iowa, or maybe I'm just a little bit too locked into those teams. I'm sure it's happening everywhere. Uh, I wonder how many old men, uh, maybe boosters, are making calls to the university or writing letters that just don't have any clue or understanding of the, the power of AI technology and the, the dupes that are going on out there. Dude, the Brian Ferentz one, uh, at like first take, I thought it was real until I heard the final line. <laughs> what did he say? Like- and just, uh, yeah, grab your step stool and, and crawl out of my yes, ass that's what or it something was. of that nature. he's got a big ass. Dude, I fucking clear eyes, wagon ass, can't lose. I will say that this weekend, you know, last weekend, a little quieter. Uh, didn't mean that there weren't still games or games to get excited about, but this is kind of rev that engine, um, sit your ass down on the couch throughout Sunday, Saturday, and and watch a, you know some college football. Uh, any games in particular or teams as we kind of move into this week? that you're just excited for maybe not even like gambling aspects, but just like teams that are starting to, to pique your interest. I, I maybe got one in mind. I don't know if you do as well. I dude, honestly, other than Colorado who continues to be kind of the talked about team, I'm, I'm almost 100%. sick and tired of talking about them at this point. Um, and we'll be able to get into them later, but I, I really don't know what to think about a lot of the bigger programs that are across the country, like the Alabama's Ohio state, um, even Georgia, like South Carolina fought a great fight. Uh, quick call out here for the red bandana game, Boston college. That was an immortal lock against Florida state that I just purely Mm -hmm. missed out on, uh, did not, did not do my research last week. And I think that I I really didn't do any research (laughs) at all, uh, going into the pod last week outside of the USAA parlay, um, which, which did hit by the way. Uh, but I didn't throw any bets last week. I didn't really make much of an effort. Is this an apology to watch college football? No, it it's be. not. It's it's an update. It's a status. It's a status report. I I won't apologize uh, strictly because last week was a bit of a degenerate slate. 
when it came to gambling, I will apologize for missing Boston College um, in the Red Bandana game. That That's, in my mind, that's the insight yeah. that you're looking for when you tune into a rent money podcast. Um, that That's how you pay rent. That's how you fuck the bookie. <laughs> Uh, that's, you know, how you keep the landlord yeah. at bay, all of the things. Maybe you got vet bills, you know, that are piling up. You got a little pupper at God, home. You got those dogs the COVID add up. Uh, era. Dude, they're, like, they're um, like kids. They just keep getting more expensive. I keep mine in a I barn. mean, a couple games that I mean, I'm excited for, and I don't think either of us are on, um, just to set the stage for what we're looking into this weekend. Uh, the first one is Washington State, Oregon State. Uh, in Pullman, Washington, this is just an absolutely wonderful game because we both know these two teams as the ones that are on the outside looking in when it comes to conference realignment. Uh, they really have no home, nowhere to go, uh, but that doesn't mean either of these teams can't have a magical season. Uh, and it really starts here for both of them, 3-0. and It's time to just kind of put your middle fingers up and tell the conference realignment world that, hey, we don't give a shit. We're going to make the college football playoff anyways off, based off merit alone. Uh, so that's one I'm looking for. Pullman's always pretty fun on those night games, especially when they have two top 25 teams in town. It uh, doesn't happen often, but we might be seeing some couches burned if they pull that one off. Next one I'm interested in, you mentioned it briefly. We got Ole Miss versus Alabama, Lane Kiffin versus Nick Saban. You know, Melrose got benched. Tommy Reese is going back to the, the Notre Dame well uh, down in Alabama. It did not work out. They won 17-3 against a South Florida team that gave up 41 points earlier this year to Western Kentucky. Uh, it's not what you expect to see out of an Alabama team, especially if they just lost at home to Texas. It was kind of expected to be a bounce-back game. They were five-touchdown favorites. That was not the case. Um, if they weren't Alabama, I don't think they'd still be ranked 13 to be honest. So this will be, you know, kind of a nut check game for the fans down in Tuscaloosa to see, hey, are we going to be 9-3 and three this year, which some programs, great season. To Alabama, that is just not acceptable. Uh, starts here. Ole Miss is a fun team. Lane, uh, Lane Kiffin, Jackson Dart, great duo. Like to air the ball out. Uh, so we'll see how that game goes. And the last one I'd call out is UCLA-Utah. Uh, just another great game out west, uh, 2.30 time slot on Fox. UCLA is kind of having a bit of a bounce-back season here under Chip Kelly. We all know Utah uh, is, a, is a, you know, a strong team. I would say that they are pretty much good at all facets of the game right now. Great win against Florida earlier, who just beat Tennessee last weekend and probably one of the marquee games of the week. So Utah versus UCLA is just another great game to, to watch. Um, the lines in those games quickly, just for your own viewing pleasure, Utah is four-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Uh, we got Washington, Oregon State is three-point favorites on the road in Pullman. And then Alabama is six-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Ole Miss, which is a Nick Saban line through and through because I don't see how they're six-and-a-half-point favorites. But just before we get into the some of the picks for the weekend and just those games, just wanted to highlight, hey, those are some fun top 25 matchups uh, in a week where last weekend we didn't have any. So – yeah. One quick call out on that too. I know that this podcast has probably gotten notorious for a ton of hatred towards Pac-12 quarterbacks. There is one Damn. quarterback in particular that I was high on last year. This year, he is continuing to deliver. That is none other than Cameron Ward out of uh, West Columbia, Texas. 
uh, current starter. Uh, is this his second year starting, third year starting now for a Washington State program where he is just continuing to deliver? Um, y- you saw what Colorado did to Shadur Sanders last week, some of the struggles there. Uh, Cam put up 451 yards passing, three touchdowns, 40 yards rushing, and a touchdown against them uh, week one. Turned around, uh, they beat a 19th-ranked Wisconsin. Uh, then last week, it uh, looked like he, he probably didn't play more than, more than half the game, only had 26 passes um, against UNCO. Unco. Uh, that, uh, that's Northern Colorado. Uh, for for the the folks at home, Big Sky Conference. Uh, but I, I mean, he's fifteenth in the country right now in QBR. Biggest stat to me: uh, zero turnovers. He has yet to throw an interception. He has nine passing touchdowns, two rushing, over a thousand all-purpose yards, uh, completion percentage above seventy percent, mm-hmm. um, and a QBR rating that has one of his games against a power five more specifically a big 10 defense uh in wisconsin and yeah so he like keep an eye on he, keep an eye on that he wants to submit guy. himself amongst you know a long line of famous washington state quarterbacks the drew bledsoe's ryan leafs and most importantly gardner Minshew's of the world uh so could see him up there amongst those guys uh someday when you're looking back at washington state football adam should we get into the picks Oh, one more thing I wanted to do right before Jack. we get into the picks. I was actually looking at the Heisman's uh, odds, actually, for you know week three of the season, and something that you know took caught my eye. Let's just say that. Who do you think the number one guy is uh, for the current Heisman power rankings by C.J. Vogel? Power rankings. Power rankings. Um, it's also per Vegas number two because this guy is in terms of Vegas odds. It's got to it's got to be Caleb, Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is number 3 on the power rankings. We'll play a game. We'll do the top 5. Caleb Williams is number 3 on the power rankings plus 350. Well, then it means yep. it's Mr. Penis. Penis Jr. number 1 on the power rankings plus 450 uh continues to lead the way for the Washington Huskies. I think Adam at almost about 5 to 1. I think this is our time to put a bet down on MPJ. If anything, if he walks away from this season as a Heisman Heisman winner, I think we need to make some money off of it because of all the slander we've settled on his name over the last two to three years, he's been in the college football landscape. Uh, a bit of an emotional hedge, uh, you could call it. If there's one thing that I know to be true about myself, Jack, is that I don't hedge because we already have the winning ticket uh, this preseason, and that was He's on currently Sam plus nine hundred. What did you get um, him at? I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure that preseason odds it was closer to like two thousand. That's an exciting like one. He was like ranked, I think, somewhere around eight to twelve. Uh, mm-hmm. coming into the year and I was like dude if 
because a, a huge thing for Heisman's in my mind is is the team gotta win. as well. It can't just be individual. It's not individual performance, even though it is an individual trophy. Um, if you're not playing in games that matter and showing up on a national stage, you don't get the award. You need that Heisman moment. A Shadur Sanders, like a Shadur is going to like whatever hype he had going into last week, a little bit lesser than now. Quinn Ewers, so like whatever four. hype he had. Both those guys in the season. top five, so you named them all. Okay. Wow. I just I just hit all of them. But I agree. Uh, those guys. There you go. I mean, uh, Texas keeps winning. Another, another player. almost though. had his Heisman moment already in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Uh, there's two other guys, though, that I think are worth calling out at this point in the year. Uh, number one, uh, this was the other guy that I had a ticket on with Sam Hartman, and that's Marvin Harrison mm-hmm. Jr. Those two will actually go head-to-head this week. I think that this week kind of determines the rest of the year, the rest of the landscape. Um, I don't, I don't know if... Ohio State is for real because I just haven't seen enough of them, and we'll get into this. Let's just jump right shortly. into it. Let's you, just jump right guys, into. Um, I mean, before we do, uh, let's start. We're gonna enter, you know, just our picks for the year. Uh, so far, I am ten and six. I went three and two last week. Adam is like we said on the hot seat. He was two and five and one, two and five last week. That makes him 10, 13, and one. Did hit the USAA parlay, uh, so just give him a little bit of extra bonus points in the back of your head for that one. Um, all right. I will say I didn't play any bets last week when it came to college football, so in my mind, last week never happened. However, for the listeners at home, if anybody played any of my plays, Better make sure you're following me on Action Network so you know what I'm actually playing and uh, and what's uh, just, you know, some talk of the town on a Wednesday. Am I right? Or am I right? You know, it's like if the line changes, if the line moves, let's say I want to sleep in. Let's say that I want to pick one week where it's a dog shit slate so that I can be of better usage and service to my lovely betrothed, right? What are What are the odds? that I sacrificed one Saturday in the college football season when uh, Notre Dame's on fucking Peacock. And then you got, you got fucking Iowa playing Western Michigan at home. Congrats, Brian, on your 41 points. I just, I, I don't even know where to begin with a lot of this shit, but I will say this, this rant is over. And Jack, I'd love to know your thoughts as we move forward. You're on mute, brother. Hand up. As an honorable member of the Knights of Columbus, I will always play every bet I put out on the pod. In fact, typically those are the only bets I'll play all day Saturday. All right, Ohio State visiting South Bend. This is a game we both have circled. A lot of people have circled top 10 matchup. One, Ohio State is traditionally had the upper hand in as they have in probably most matchups that you look at, you know, over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, but you know what? Notre Dame, this is a, maybe a different team, a different year, a different era under Marcus Freedom, Freeman. Adam. Thoughts? 
here's everything that you need to know before placing a bet on this game. Let's begin. Quick breakdown of Notre Dame football. For those of you at home who are just now tuning in for the first time, they're debatably the best team in the country when it comes to having a overall well-put-together, well-coached team. They have a lot of experience at the linebacker safety, uh, D-back positions. The, the interior of the defense is what's really impressed me the most coming out of some of the spring-summer shit. But I think the offense is so dynamic in what Sam Hartman is bringing to the table. Quick tidbit, fun fact, trivia piece for you um heard this on uh i think it was the cover three shout podcast out. but uh, the boys. Gotta, yeah shout out i i'm always gonna cite my sources jack how many touchdowns do you think that joe montana would have thrown in his best season his his most touchdowns 19. in a single season at notre dame yeah 19 sure to lock that number in that would be 11, my dear friend. Uh, different era, different time, but hey, Joe Montana used to be the staple. The gold standard. Uh, Sam Hartman has 13. Sam Hartman has 13. Over how many games? In his tenure. I believe, what are we? We're four yeah, in. Early one, you're right. So he's averaging around three a game. But he, but he hasn't played four full games either. He's been benched or he's been taken out um, to let some of the younger guys eat in at least two, if not all of those games. So um, another stat I saw too, just along, I, along I the slides, Audric is averaging 8.3 yards per carry. So I just, you know, the big boys up front are doing work. He's the, he is a, it's like an Emmett Smith type of type of scenario where it's like, I will never actually know how good Audric Estime is because he's behind one of the better, like one of the best offensive lines probably in college football this year. You have Joe Alt, who in my mind is a top five pick in the NFL draft. He's the best tackle. If he didn't exist, you still have Blake Fisher, who in my mind is at least a second, third Adam, round guy. At, at, Adam, as someone who hasn't floor. watched a ton of Notre Dame this year, tell me a little bit about Chris Tyree and the impact he's been making uh, from the receiver position. He's doing a lot of what he used to do at the running back spot. He, he transitioned over this year, uh, which – I guess technically means they have six able-bodied running backs <laughs> at any given Saturday that can make an impact on the game. Um, between Audric, Tyree, uh, Jadarian Price, Jeremiah Love, uh, a lot of these guys are just stepping up and making plays. But Tyree, and I, I, he's been used, I would say, more so in the slot. If you get him in open space, he's dangerous. They've done a lot of just cross the field patterns and routes for his tree where he's able to just kind of be an under yeah. more than anything else. And he's broken off so many plays. I think Notre Dame leads the country actually fun fact. Uh, I think it was, they have 12 or 13 touchdowns from outside of the red zone. Um, that's an absurd stat coming into this season, not having seen many of those last year honestly any year prior and under a yeah, Tommy, Tommy Reese can can eat one but t 
Tyree's had eight catches this year. So typically, you know, week four, you're not talking about a guy with eight catches uh, in the pregame. He's taking those eight catches for 216 yards, averaging 27 yards per catch. So when he touches the ball, it's absolute electricity. Uh, these are, you know, a lot of – What's his yak? Uh, golly, I would have to look that up. Um, I can I can see if I can find it. All right. But I will say that yeah. these are all things you would typically say about the Ohio State Buckeyes, right, when we're talking about explosiveness, averaging eight yards carry. Uh, that's just not the team we've seen so far this year under Ryan Day and Kyle McCord. Uh, why are you maybe down on, on Ohio State visiting Notre Dame uh, this weekend? couple of reasons number one not only is this kyle mccord's first year as a starter for ohio state this is his first road game for ohio state um this is not going to be an easy road test by any means it's going to be a very hostile environment hostile you're going into with a bunch of a legacy networking geriatrics right you know what i want to say okay you but but with that being said, this is a blue blood program that has been begging, begging to be back in the national spotlight at the level that they are right now for God fucking what, 40 I mean, they've made a national years, 30 years recently like, and, and college football playoffs. Right. But they had no business. They had no business being in a lot of those games. They, they, played and they won against competition but every year in college football you know this i know this there's typically emphasis on typically one to maybe at most three teams that are actually putting out enough talent on the field and have the coaching that's capable of getting them to a national championship and deserve to be there last year we had two it was georgia and ohio state this year I don't know if we have. Yeah. And I, I mean, I would say that this year, maybe a little bit of the difference too, just looking at their schedule, is that if they do make the college football playoffs, it'll be pretty clear that they've played the competition required to, you know, earn a spot there. They didn't just happen to, to make it there based off their reputation and uh, what could be a good record. Because they still got, you know, a, a solid Duke team on the schedule. Right. USC's coming up. Clemson, which... Uh, you know, struggled out of the gate, but maybe Duke was for real, and Clemson could have a bounce back performance this week against Florida State and drop jump right back into you know a top twenty, top fifteen ranking. So, all that is, is to say, I mean, huge game, a lot on the line. Uh, I'm with you too. This is one of my picks. I'm taking the Fighting Irish. I just don't think Ohio State's looked that impressive uh, over these first few weeks. I don't know if Calvin Court has blown me off the page. They haven't really been playing necessarily super tough competition either. Uh, and they haven't been, you know, putting up those 50-plus point games consistently. Marvin Harrison Jr., you mentioned his name earlier, uh, probably remains the best receiver in all of college football. Uh, so he's always fun to watch. They still have some talent on the outside, but just hasn't completely came together or came to fruition yet. A uh, stat I have on, on this game, which I found is interesting, over his last nine games, you always get to pick and choose, right, how many games you want to go back to make your stat look good. So over the last nine games against top 20 teams, Ryan Day is 1-8 against the spread. Uh, this kind of just indicates the public typically likes just Ohio State in, in ranked matchups, and I'm sure they've won a lot of those games. I don't know what the actual win-loss record is, but against the spread, they've struggled. And you can say the same probably for Notre Dame. 
Um, they're not typically a team that we've seen in the past that has done well on this stage. All of that to be said, this is the best quarterback Notre Dame has ever had, ever, in the history of the Brady entire Quinn? university, the football program. Better than Brady Quinn, better than Jimmy Clausen, better Tommy than Reese? Joe Montana at a collegiate level. Tommy Reese couldn't even be the offensive coordinator. You saw it last week. And and the other thing on top of that, Jack, is this was what a twenty-one to ten game last year, twenty-four yeah, to ten. Yeah, Notre Dame, Notre Dame uh, held up the South Florida Alabama game. The South Florida Alabama game that you watched last week, wondering if Alabama was about to fucking lose to South Florida. That was a Tommy Reese offensive coordinated game, a Tyler Buckner offense at quarterback, and that was the exact same combination on Alabama that Notre Dame had on the field last year against Ohio State, and it was a two-score game to finish, which means to me the defense is holding true. They didn't lose that much. Right. They that's lost C- key pieces in C- Isaiah Foskey. C- but that team as well. So I, I think Ohio State lost a lot more than they got. They did have some great transfer portal additions. Their defense does probably look better than it ever has. But the matchup is a lot less of Notre Dame's offense versus Ohio State's defense, in my mind, than it is Notre Dame's defense going up against Ohio State's offense. And if they can take advantage of the three, if not four, question marks, that Ohio State has on their offensive line. I'm not buying into Ohio State. I'm not buying into the hype that Notre Dame is just going to, you know, lose one of these games against the USC, against an Ohio State. I am making my biggest play of the year thus far. I have eight units on this game. I got Notre Dame plus three. Book it. He's putting his already booked. I have already played. Already played this. It's the better play of the year so far, but no, my play of the year comes later in the season. Normally, next game. This is one I'm currently on. We got Cincinnati hosting Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma's looked a lot better this year after a seven and six season under Brent Venables first first year, uh, but. They're plus. They're fifteen point favorites. They're on the road. This is Cincinnati's very first home Big Twelve game. I'm expecting you know a pretty ruckus crowd. OU's coming off three straight covers. Uh, and, and statistics surrounding teams after three straight covers is they usually don't cover the fourth game, um, as you know teams Vegas continues to widen those spreads. Uh, so I'll, I'll say this about Oklahoma. You know they blew out a few teams: Arkansas State and Tulsa. Uh, Dylan Gabriel in year five after transferring from UCF. Uh, it's starting to put together some good ball, uh, but those are you know those are mediocre teams. And last week against SMU, they actually got outgained uh, over the course of the game. SMU just could not really convert in the red zone, which is the story of Cincinnati the week before when they lost to the Miami of Ohio. Uh, but I think they're bouncing back in that game against the Miami of Ohio. They they scored nine points over the course of six red zone trips. Uh, that, that was a game they really should not have lost. So I, I just believe in Cincinnati and kind of just a bounce-back performance, laying 15 points or giving 15 points at home. 
I think it's just going to be a little closer than people expect. Uh, so that's going to be my second play of the week. Cincinnati plus 15 at home against Oklahoma. Let it ride. Adam, how about Kentucky? 14-point uh, favorites at home versus Vanderbilt. Yeah, this was one that I threw early in the week as well. Uh, I saw some line movement potentially coming in hot. Uh, So far, it has gone the opposite way. I actually, I got this at minus 14 and took it. Um, I I thought this should be closer to like an 18-point spread, Um, but it it obviously is going in the opposite direction now. I think it's 13 and a half as of the time of recording. This is recorded on Wednesday night. Um, everything that I'm seeing so far from this Kentucky team is that their best football is still ahead of them this season. Devin Leary is not really performing at the level that he should be performing at. I think he starts to right the ship, turn things around, make things happen. And I think it starts that this week here, like conference play kicking off for them. Um, I believe I uh, couldn't really tell you a lot about Kentucky in, in their schedule thus far. Uh, but I, I can say that there's more to be desired. And I think that this is the perfect time for them to get that kick started, get that going. Um, and just by all means, by all fronts, they're a better team than Vanderbilt. Uh, it, it really does just depend on how yeah, they, they is, go about like attacking that. and letting Devin a, cook. And I think that this is, this is the, the classic the just spot where they want to put it on them, um, smack them around a little bit and, and really jumpstart their SEC season. Like you said, I'm all in. Uh, put it down, Caps, 14 points. That's what he had it at. Caps, what would you play that down to or up to, uh, just if you had a, an opinion? I would I would play it up to Very 16. Good. Um, next game, one we're both interested in, and I think a lot of America is, Oregon hosting the University of Colorado Buffaloes. The Buffs and Coach Prime are bringing their uh, – I don't want to call it a circus, uh, but basically, you know, but it's in some ways it is. They've had game day. They've had Fox Sports one, or you know, Fox Sports High Noon come and visit them already this year for their games. Oregon is is twenty one point favorites. I think over eighty percent of the public is on Colorado. Uh, we all know that Dan Lanning's team is going to be a contender when it comes to the Pac twelve. Obviously, this year coming into the season, you know. Colorado is trying to bounce back from a 1-11 season. They're already two games above how many they won last year. The town of Boulder is just absolutely fired up. But this is their real first test now that we know who they are, who they could be. Uh, that TCU game caught people by surprise, probably caught the Horn Frogs by surprise. They weren't really sure what to expect out of this Colorado offense. they never seen this team on tape. It was basically a whole new cast of characters uh, flipping over an entire roster, which you got to give Prime, Dion a lot of credit for. Obviously, there's diverging opinions um, on Dion. He's a hot topic of debate. Uh, no matter what side you sit on it, though, you can't tell, say, tell me that it doesn't make for great television. Uh, and he doesn't give an absolutely hell of an interview. It's like a mix between a football coach, a WWE wrestler, one of the best athletes of all time, and then also the head coach of the football team. So it's always fun to hear his sad sound bites, and that's why America is so, I think, enthralled currently with this team. And the fact that he's coaching his son at quarterback, which I don't know if I could name. That's something that happens in basketball from time to time. 
uh, doesn't happen as often at football, let alone at the quarterback position. Yeah, let alone making the jump from, you know, being just at an HBCU and, you know, some of the, the FCS slander they may have gotten last year to, you know, just being like, all right, fine, we'll, we'll go and do it in the, you know, the Pac-12. Like, let's let's do it. And so far, uh, you know, even though they haven't been a part of much Pac-12 play, uh, it's gone almost according to plan. Like, I, th- I think that the Colorado State game – that's going to leave a sour taste in their mouths as it should. They aren't the team that they think they are. Uh, I think that's point number one. Uh, they're a couple, at least one to two years away from being close to top 10. Right now they're a fringe top 25 team at best. Uh, their defense is incapable of keeping them in close games against actual top 10 teams. Uh, a Travis Hunter list defense it, yes, but I think his impact will be felt significantly more on defense. I don't fucking like this at all. Uh, and, and I hate to give Bo Nix credit, but uh, we know what Pac-12 quarterbacks can do against bad defenses because we watch it every single week. Uh, this is a perfect opportunity for any Bo Nix props you might be able to get for touchdowns, overs, etc. I think Bo Nix has at least four touchdowns. I think that this Oregon team steamrolls and their defense is so much better than whatever Colorado has to throw out on the other side. I think it creates just a huge mismatch, which matches up with the line being 21 points. And I think Oregon covers that handedly. I'm in agreement with you here, too, Adam. I'm on Oregon Ducks, minus 21. I think the public still wants to, to root for Dion, uh, And I get it. I get why. If Dion showed up to my family outing and told me that he was actually my uncle this whole time, that would probably be the best day of my life, uh, to be honest, because he just seems like he'd be the best guy to have around at the family function. Uh, but without Travis Hunter, with who we should mention, just on an off note, Dirty play by the Colorado State player. Unfortunate that it happened. Everybody likes to watch Travis Hunter play football. Uh, But it is the most violent sport that we really pretty much play in America Um, at this level of popularity, at least. You you could argue hockey or UFC. But in terms of team sports, it's two large grown men running at each other at 17 miles an hour. Obviously a late hit. Uh, but at the same time, these are 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds that are out there playing the game for our entertainment. And the fact that you know the young man's receiving death threats is just so out of whack and out of proportion that two wrongs don't make a right type of situation where I don't know what you think you're getting at. Like, you are such a bad person that now I'm going to send you a death threat, threat makes me a better person. Um, it's just so out of touch with reality that it's it blows my mind. Uh, touch some fucking grass and reevaluate your life if you're sending death threats at you know not even for late hits but like this that shit becomes way too much of a topic of discussion when it comes to college sports in general. Hashtag they're just kids. Uh, they missed the free throw. They want to make the free throw. I promise you. In baseball, the amount of times that pitchers intentionally throw at hitters over way pettier shit mm-hmm. is hilarious. Like. 
football is the most violent sport that everyone is doing everything in their power to make not violent. I, I said this same thing with the, everybody calling the Minka Fitzpatrick hit on Nick Chubb dirty. If you think that's a dirty hit, then like you shouldn't be allowed to watch football. You should, you should go start a flag football league where the same injury is probably going to happen anyway. But also that that's textbook what the NFL was pushing. This obviously a little bit different. It, mm-hmm. it was a later hit, but nothing in, in football, in my mind, nothing that happens on the field is ever actually a cheap shot. It only has become that because of how soft everything has become. If you go back and you watch like an NFL films from the 70s, 80s, it, it was basically, it's more equivalent to watching Gladiator than it is to watching modern day football. Um, there's a, a saying that used to be said, but no longer has to be said because now it's like automatically a targeting call. Keep your head on a swivel. Ever heard of that one? Mm. Hasn't needed to be used in years, and I don't think it ever will be again. Way too much bullshit in my mind around player health and player safety. If you don't understand the risks of the game, you're the perfect person to play uh, in my mind. Um, You probably don't have much else to offer. You know, if you're... Let's say, hypothetical, you're hooking up with a stripper, right? Right, um, yeah. That's to generalize, but, you know, I've, I've never known strippers to be maybe the most healthy relationships with uh, the most sane, significant others. That's maybe a, a situation where you would need your head on a swivel. You step on a football field, not always the same. No. Anymore. Fun uh, fact. Go ahead. Syphilis. Syphilis was at one point... Uh, one of the most sought after things in the military uh, during World War One got you out of the trenches. So mm. uh, hookers with syphilis have not been at a premium since 1918. According but to those who love to play the offensive line, not trying to catch syphilis, steady in the trenches. Um, they love it there. One thing I will say, and, and you know, I think this has gone away and probably for the better. Uh, Grabbing nuts at the bottom of the pile. No place in the game for that. Warriors cannot collide. Warriors cannot go to battle. Unless they're hanging two if, balls. If if they're not checking themselves. You you don't need to check the guy at the bottom. It's a, yeah. It's a figure of speech, too. I mean Cup check, not yeah. the time. Yeah. That's that's a solo mission. That is a one V one and brother. Both those ones. That's Don't make two. This All right, so one, one quick stat here for Oregon, minus 21. Uh, when two teams are both ranked and the line is over 17 points, the favorite covers 62% of the time. Uh, to me, this is just more of an indication that oftentimes those ranked teams that are, you know, 17-point underdogs, right, in that situation are maybe not that great of a team. Right, because Vegas isn't going to really give a shit what you're ranked. Um, they're going to look at each matchup pretty much more just individually on paper uh, and on film. So, next game we're going to hit 
I think this is Adams' last game or second to last game. Uh, Maryland Terrapins, seven and a half point favorites at Michigan State, and we'll just kind of fly through the these these last ones. I think as uh, we've we've covered most of the big games here. So Adam, go ahead. Yeah, I mean this is just a very simple eye test, Madden awareness rating. Uh, they don't. Michigan State doesn't have a coach. Uh, they don't have a, an offense. They don't have much of a team. I, I've seen some sparks from the the quarterback. I don't even know his fucking name. Um, wish I could tell you. We're seeing sparklers, not fireworks. That's the whole point. Could not have said it better if I tried. That's pretty much the synopsis. Uh, but on top of all of that, no one's holding the sparkler. Uh, there's mm-hmm. no head coach. The sparkler is on the concrete, burning out. Meanwhile, you got Down the block, by little Jimmy's got got bottle rockets, Roman candles. He's orchestrating a whole ass neighborhood get together, and they're gonna be shooting those fuckers left and right. This is Jimmy is a kid that is celebrating the Fourth of July in Iowa circa 2007 yeah. and his family recently made a trip to the Lake of the Ozarks and they, they loaded themselves up on fireworks crossing that Missouri borderline. Little that Jimmy's is- kind of like the Eddie Haskell of the neighborhood. Everybody knows that Jimmy's the ringleader getting all the kids, you know, their holes in their t-shirts. Uh, maybe one of them, Bo uh, lost an eye, but little Jimmy flashed that smile and gets away with it every time. Shout out Amy Dowd while we're here. She, she, has referred to me as an Eddie Haskell pretty much since I've known the woman, which is coming up on shit, probably coming up on 20 years now. So Amy, wherever you're at, hope all is well. All right. Next game that I'm on uh, rice for South Florida. If you've been listening week in week out, you know that big time owl fans over here. Uh, they're three and zero against the spread this year. I know that I gave the stat against, Teams that are 3-0 against the spread. Uh, but when you bet on somebody each week, you can't turn their back on them. Uh, you got to let it ride. And, and I don't think South Florida is really that great of a team. We talked a little bit about them earlier with the Kentucky uh, game. Or, sorry, the Alabama game. Uh, but this is more or less just a follow your heart and, and keep them going. So Follow your heart. You can't go wrong. You can't. Yeah, you can't go wrong. So the last game, and arguably the most important game of the week, considering it's one of the best traditions in college football. Um, it's the CBS night game. We'll see who's on the call. Hopefully we get Vern. Uh, I'm talking about the whiteout down in Happy Valley with the University of Iowa Hawkeyes taking a trip um, as the bad guys, right, in this situation to go and shut up some Penn State Nittany Lion fans. They are, I believe, at, at, the record, at this recording, maybe 15-point underdogs, 16-point underdogs. 14-and-a-half. 14-and-a-half. Uh, but what's the over and under Adam on this game? I believe it's 40. 40 points. Is that something you're interested in, Adam? That number? Jack. Yes. To to make a, a long story short, yes. But to make a short story long, I think this is going to be a more high scoring than people think. Uh, First and foremost, it's not at Kinnick Stadium, which means that the over should be increased by at least five. The Even total, on a whiteout game. Say. 
Whiteout Even games, on a, especially on a whiteout game. They can get going. They can get some offensive. They, pop. they. I think whiteouts mean offense. Up. It's a Ponzi scheme. Mean whiteouts mean overs. Blackouts like at University of Iowa mean on means unders. Or the the pinnacle of Nebraska football, the black shirts, the defense. Mm. Uh, back in the day, that was uh, you know something that was honored and respected. Uh, nowadays. Uh, the N stands for knowledge on those helmets, Jack. I tell you what, but uh, my my biggest take on this game is that Iowa's biggest weakness up until this point has been Cade McNamara, the quarterback. Surprisingly, hmm. I thought he was going to be their biggest strength. He's looked fucking terrible. You really? Uh, he's you obviously that. obviously hurt. I fully wholeheartedly believe that. Um, if he looks that I, bad, I, what would you say the offensive quarterback play or the quarterback plays looked like for the last three years? I I think Nate Stanley was a gift. Oh yeah, okay. Nate Stanley went and blew. This was the worst game of his career. Uh, was actually Iowa at Penn State. I think his junior senior year. Um, the guy couldn't complete a pass. He was missing left and right. I think Cade has been in this environment before. He's he's coming from Michigan. He's played in significantly more hostile environments. Um, Happy Valley isn't what it used to be. It's obviously not a, a walk in the park, but pre-Joe Pa Happy Valley versus now, uh, or, or pre-Joe Pa death slash, you know, ostracization slash execution. Slash documentary. That, Slash documentary. That was a scary place. When the Joe Pa statue was up. Do you mean that Happy like Valley if you were in the building was, it was a scary place or if you were visiting team? All the above, brother. Give okay. me give me C, both A and B. Uh, for different reasons. Prayers up for all the kids involved, by the way. That's a horrible scenario that unfolded. Thanks, Adam. Uh, it's worth – I mean, let's not – you know, I'm not here to victim blame, like, you know. But you are here to bet this over. But I am here to bet this fucking over. I think Cade bounces back. I think the offense rolls without Luke Lachey, without, uh, without a care in the world. I think it Brian Ferentz, after watching the Steelers-Browns game Monday night, yeah. Brian Ferentz, not the worst offensive coordinator the uh, for teams gold. that I cheer for, or, or for teams of black and gold. I think Matt Canada belongs in a fucking junior high school, uh, not even JV of, a, of an actual high school. He should be coaching seventh graders uh, with the jet sweep bullshit he pulled. I, I think that this game, I think, I, I, I mean, tell me that 28-17 doesn't sound realistic. I can see this game going a couple ways. 40 is a goofy number because but is it so it's less we watched so many other games under 40 that you forget that 40 is not that high of a number you and forget this is a better team offensively hopefully than it was previously and a worse team defensively in Iowa that we've seen um but we I mean I could see us being a 21-17 game I could also see Penn State I mean there's no no chance in the world that Iowa blows out Penn State. I think we can all agree on that. If they're going to win a game, it's going to be tight. There is a possibility in the world that the offense completely sputters. 
and it ends up being you know a 28-14 game too. In which case, I will hear me out. I think my my actual prediction is 31-10 Penn State. Boom. 41 points, hit the over, takes the bank. Uh, However, I don't <laughs> I don't trust it only because I think Iowa puts up more of a fight. They have a better defense than people want to believe. Their O-line is improved week over week. If Cade comes out and plays fucking Cade McNamara style football circa 45 to 3 in the Big 10 championship when he did God knows what against Iowa made us look like asshats for being there. If that Cade McNamara shows up, this is going to be a dogfight. The defense for both teams is going to be good. We know that. Chop Robinson, my top running, that is my top name of the year candidate yeah. as of right now for an edge rusher. Uh, but <laughs> I, I also think... It's an incredible. I think you're being. Game. I think you're being a little hard on Cade overall. I think he's somebody needs to be around here. Um, somebody he needs playing to be a hurt. Hard on Cade. I will say that there's just a lot of just deficiencies with the structure of this offense. Uh, seeing us finally run the ball last week was a positive, um, but that was also against a Western Michigan team. It's hard for me to sit here and watch Brian Ferentz call a football game for three or four years and say that there isn't a better way to do this and that all the blame, no matter what's happening, can't be put on the players uh, just based off the play calling that puts us in situations where it's hard to string the other points and we're not necessarily our most explosive team. We are missing a few key offensive players. With that said, I, I mean, I'm hopeful. And no matter what happens this weekend, I'm going to walk out and say the Big Ten West is still wide open and I believe that we'll come out of the Big Ten West no matter what happens. I think Iowa wins the Big Ten West. They're the best team in the West. I don't. I don't think that's even up for debate. Um, Wisconsin looks like shit. Yep. Uh, Minnesota doesn't have an offense. They got whooped up by UNC last weekend. Uh, is there anyone else even worth mentioning? I guess Purdue is always a trap game for us, but uh, Purdue is always a trash game, but trap game. But their head coach Brommel is now at Louisville, so a little bit of a different team. Um. I mean, Illinois is bad, Northwestern's bad, Nebraska's bad, Purdue's bad. It's mainly the only competition is going to be Minnesota and Wisconsin, and we're currently in this current iteration a better version of them. But there you have it. Uh, there's the picks for the weekend. Uh, I'm in on four, just to quickly hit them. Cincy hosting Oklahoma, plus 15. Oregon and Caption and I are both on Oregon, 21-point favorites at home against Colorado. Caption and I are both on Notre Dame at home, uh, three-and-a-half-point underdogs. I'm on Rice at home, uh, two-and-a-half-point favorites, so I'm riding on a lot of home teams. Uh, Caption is also on Kentucky at home, 14-point favorites versus Vandy. Maryland on the road, I think the only road team we're betting on, uh, seven-and-a-half-point favorites at Michigan State. And then the Iowa at Penn State over of 40. Uh, so there you have it. There's our picks for the weekend. Before we get out of here, Adam, anything else you want to get off your chest? Um, as the self-proclaimed mayor of Fansville, uh, what are you the biggest fan of right now, just currently in your life? Uh, what's going on there? I'm going to say this Diet Dr. Pepper, Jack. 
Wow, that's about couldn't have been but, more of a spot on answer. We're gonna work hard, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. We had two ad reads today. Uh, hopefully, you know, before the end of the year, Dr. Pepper will sponsor us. Um, if not with money, uh, a couple cases of their glass Dr. Pepper. So if you see those in the store, those are a must cop. Uh, had them recently. Unbelievable. Real sugar. Yeah. Oof. You know what? I would like to to say one thing here to end this, Jack, if that's all right. Yeah. To, to all the, the media, uh, to all my fans, to all my critics, I understand that last week was a disappointment. I obviously did not put the work in, did not put the preparation in. Uh, just kind of went in there and just, you know, was wanting to get out some fucking content. Sue me, right? But you have never seen any handicapper in the entire country grind as hard as I will grind for the rest of this season. And you will never see someone push the handicappers around them as hard as I will push everybody for the rest of this season. And you will never see a network. Mm. Grind harder than we will grind for the rest of this season. Ladies and gentlemen, day zero, day 1037, it doesn't matter. The only number we got on our minds right now is one. And that means it's either day one or one day. Mm. I will not I will not be a part of that latter group. I will be in the former. Every day I wake up is day one. We will grind. We will make it work. And fun fact, that Tebow speech I was just alluding, that shit, a week from today, 15 years old. Still rings true. Still rings true. It will always ring true. And motherfucker, tell the bookie that we say hi. Silence your cell phones now.